along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the E double R I. Oh no! Spells Carrigan. Remember that? I will never be able to forget it, my friend. Okay, there you go. So we sing it all the time in this family, especially on St. Patrick's Day. Do you really? Yeah, actually, yeah. My my in-laws, Don Lorraine, God bless him. Their whole the whole family sings is a big. Happy Irish family and everybody lots of sings. Alcohol involved, I assume. Lots of lots and lots. And uh my father in law played the accordion and the ukulele and uh oh yeah. There was a lot of singing. Oh, and that was go. one of the songs. We still and and funny thing is that every year on um we have an anniversary mass for them still. Oh cool. Yeah. Um Although it's been many years, of course we're never going to forget them. But we go to the the grave, and that's what we sing. Uh, seriously, <laughs> we stand around, we stand around Don and Lori's grave, and we sing Carrigan. Well, I think you should record that so next year around St. Patrick's Day we can give him a little shout out, and okay. uh, <laughs> I think that would be a great thing. So, uh-huh. anyways, all right. But- well, we will uh, we will have to wait till October to do that. But uh, we can do that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, everybody's Irish in St. Patty's Day. So uh, that's right. You know, and and you... Highland is such an awesome country. And uh, it's got so many oh fabulous stories. And, you know, I would love to learn so much more about it. So I said, who can I get that can teach me more about Highland? And I met a young lady on the international show. And... Um, her name is Jackie Hines, and she is with us now. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Ron. Hi, Anne. How are you keeping? Hi, Jackie. Very well, thank you. Uh, better than uh, nothing. I, That's what my wife says. Better than nothing. Greetings from the middle of the night here in Ireland. It's uh, midnight here. So. Oh, God bless so you it, for staying it, up. That's not the middle of the night. That's actually the, the wee morning. Uh, no, it isn't, and I know we're on uh, a, a program about ghosts, and I've just had an apparition here at the side of me. Uh, a six-year-old has just appeared. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looked fairly Uh-oh. solid, though, as well, when I uh, spoke uh, at him. So, yeah. Uh, what's his name, uh, Jackie? Uh, he's Ronan, but he's gone back to sleep, I hope. Oh, ah, Ronan, that's a good name, too. I love all this Irish stuff. Uh, So, I mean, I would love to get over there. I really haven't been. And of all the countries I would like to see, I think Ireland is is on the the tops of my list. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the Emerald Isle, you know, the the stories, you know, all the the women are absolutely beautiful. They're all red hair and they, uh, you know. uh... (laughs) By the way, do you have... I'm very sorry to disappoint you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they have kits for that, you know. 
they do, but red <laughs> go very well on top of what was once black, jet black. So that would be a that would be a challenge. That would be that a challenge. Would. That would. I do know some redheads, though, uh, if that helps anything. so That's um, close enough. <laughs> keep don't, that don't, stereotype going there for a while. Yeah, don't, don't, don't ruin the dream for me, okay? Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Oh, my God. All my, all my, uh, my husband is a redhead. Uh, four out of the six children were redheads. Uh, I have no redheaded children. I was terribly crushed. Really? Oh, well, that's yes. what I think Mother-in-law has red hair as well. Ah, there you go. Should, I should have remembered her first, probably. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, 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 of course, you know, Anne and I are both from New England. In New England, we have a, a, a great population of Irish people. And, uh, you know, the Kennedys were from here, of course. So that's always the name we bring up. Uh, and, of course, Anne married an Irish person. So, And uh, my brother married an Irish woman. So there you go. And you still haven't managed to get over to Ireland. I no, I know. <laughs> I, I don't travel well. Ask uh, some of the people I've traveled with. Uh, yeah, he's not a happy traveler. Yeah, That's in a car. And then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Even if it was first class, would that help? If you flew first class, would that help? Uh, it may, it may, you know. Maybe if there was a wee bit of uh, the spirits with me. We could drug him. We'll just drug there you him. Go. We'll get him drunk at the airport before we leave. And it's cheaper. We could just put him into cargo. Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we'll give him a blankie. <laughs> you mentioned the Kennedys, though. I'm, uh, I'm talking to you from uh, Southeast Ireland, where the Kennedys were from. Um, oh, really? Oh. The Kennedys grandfather, if my memory serves me right, was from New Ross, which is only about half an hour's drive from where where you're talking to me from tonight. So um, mm. a lot of celebrations last year with the 50th anniversary of um, the Kennedys coming back to New Ross for, to visit their ancestral home. Oh, so very cool. short, uh, very yeah. short actually then in reality between us. Um, if, if the Kennedys were from uh, your end, they're also from our part of the country down here, too. There you oh, go. that's neat. That's great. I mean, yeah. we, we know, you know, as much as Ireland is, is really akin to us because, you know, so many, so many of Americans come from Ireland or have the sons that came from Ireland. You know, we, we have a lot of myths about the country, too. We do, and I was curious, you know, what is real and, and what isn't. And, and just this, there must be something I don't even never even heard of, but it, it's so intriguing. I mean, you, you see some of the the awesome uh, uh, movies. I, I remember my son uh, Ronald. Uh, he's uh, never uh, really been scared of anything except for uh, when he saw the movie Darby McGill and the Little People. Oh, oh Darby and Little People. <laughs> oh yeah, that scared the crap out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Kept them up many a night. I think we mentioned that the day we talked to you from Enniscorthy Castle, Ron. Oh, we did. I think we did actually. Yeah. So I yeah. went looking. I went looking through my books for stories for you. Um, yeah. Because you are a folklorist, right? You have a degree in folklore. I do. My background is in folklore, which. Um, I, I think I preferred folklore than history because I had a history teacher who told us 
when we have two big exams in Ireland. They're they're now called the junior cert and the leaving where you do them at kind of fifteen and eighteen. And my teacher for junior cert told me, Don't ever bother, you didn't need to remember names for the junior cert, which I Oh no, did we lose her? Oh. We lost you there for a minute, Jackie. You still there? Jackie? No. Yeah, can you hear me? No, you're cutting out. We lost your, uh, as soon as you said the uh, the exams and... Uh, oh, so. yes. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We should make a commercial. Can you hear me now? Uh, <laughs> I was what I was saying to you was my history teacher told us for, for our junior studies that we didn't need to learn dates, which mm. I took literally for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I did folklore instead of history, because we just make it up as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, I, I was told that, too, that I would never go on a date. Oh, that was uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's a different story, and that's uh, probably a different yeah, yeah. program as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So I went rummaging for some stories for you. So Anne mentioned St. Patrick and how everybody is Irish um, on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> in a week's time. So we're celebrating the Feast of St. Patrick on um, the 17th of March. So just a week's time. And when it's not associated with Guinness, it's associated with the story of St. Patrick and the legend of St. Patrick and how he brought Christianity to Ireland. Mm -hmm. and how he um, explained to the High King in Tara by the use of the shamrock. So that, that little three-leafed thing that we, that yeah. we see around the place, the shamrock, so right. the story of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and explained to him um, with the shamrock. And oh. that's the legend of St. Patrick. So I, then I found St. Brendan. Lots of legends about the saints and how St. Brendan went to... Uh, where he thought he wound up was America, actually. Mm. He went looking for the promised land of the saints uh -huh. and wound up in America. Oh, boy. That's I don't right. know whether he thought he wound up in the right place or not. <laughs> <laughs> not but, quite uh, sure. Not nowadays, yeah. No. Not, not nowadays, but wound up there apparently nine centuries before Christopher Columbus. Ah. So, so you, the Kennedys laying claim to America, but St. Brendan was there before them and before Columbus then as well. Uh, <laughs> on the way, though, he managed to uh, set a fire on the back of a whale. Really? Uh, yeah, which Why? the whale was overly impressed about. Uh, <laughs> but St. Brendan, Brendan managed to convince them that, you know, that they didn't mean it intentionally. And uh, the whale apparently... Uh, then talked to all of his other whale friends on the way, and they had safe passage to the promised land of the saints. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, as you can see, at this hour of the morning, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it all. <laughs> well, you should be, because this is all based on fact, I'm sure. But actually, um, there, was, there was a gentleman whose name escapes me this second who recreated the Brendan voyage. So uh, according to the legend, St. Brendan and his fellow monks took to the Atlantic in over here what we call a curruck, which is just a very simple um, boat that's um, covered in a cowhide, in a, in a cow skin, 
Um, so obviously the help of the whales was very important to make that journey over. But they recreated the Brendan voyage about 20 years ago um, and left Ireland for America. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, how did they do with that? Um, I what? think they probably made it okay. <laughs> <laughs> probably with the lifeboat and on standby. <laughs> but those, those, I think they're probably our most famous saints, Saint Bridget as well. A lot of our legends relate to um, the time when Christianity would have come into Ireland and how it replaces all of the pagan gods. Um, a lot of myths and legends about pagan gods, Balor, Danon, um, Tuatha Danon, the Fianna, you might have been familiar with, you might have heard about Fionn McCool or Cú Cullen, lots of legends about about them. And they're great warriors, great, um, great tales that are told about how strong they are, their wisdom, how wise they are. So fabulous stories that even uh, we would have grown up learning. Um, I suppose the difference nowadays between um, you know, 50, 60, 100 years, 200 years ago is that people nowadays are less inclined to believe them than, than people <laughs> were years ago. But fabulous fireside stories um, that, are, that are being told. And then there are all of our ghost stories that we Yeah, can the ghost think. stories. Is there one that really stands out that, that like any, if you go anywhere in Ireland, they all know it? I'd say probably the most famous um, ghost stories are about, for me, about the Banshee, and, uh, and I'm reminded Ooh, yeah. of you in the, witching, in the Witching Hour. Is that a phrase you're familiar with um, in America, the Witching Hour? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, anything between 12 and 1, the Witching Hour. Um, and when I would have collected folklore, from people, usually you collect from them at night time. It reminded me again while I was looking up the stories tonight um, as to why I never collected ghost stories at night time because I had to drive home. Mm -hmm. Oh! <laughs> I quite fancy the thoughts of driving home at night time. Uh, but stories about Banshee, uh, I'm just looking here in... in um, she will be called different names in different parts of the country. So over in the west of Ireland, she'd be called Bive, the B-A-D-B-H, the Bive. Oh. Um, down down our part in the southeast, she's called the Bow, the B-O-W, the Bow. Um, mm -hmm. The Banshee then will be the general term for her. Um, but if you're not familiar with her, she's really an omen of death. So she oh. tends she tends to visit families that have a Mac or an O in their surname. So um, O'Donnell's, MacDonald's, the ones I can, owners, those are the ones I can think of off, off the top of my head. Um, but I'm just looking, there's some wonderful stories here. Lots of them would have been collected by um, a group called the Irish Folklore Commission. So in 1935, 36, 37. Really? Um, they were established for to collect folklore. They would have had permanent folklore collectors throughout the country that would have ridden around the country collecting onto wax cylinders using an Ediphone machine. Wow. They, yeah. Um, and there are still permanent folklore collectors um, in the Department of Irish Folklore in University College Dublin, or it's the National University of Ireland, Dublin now. Um, they don't use the wax cylinders or the bicycles anymore. Oh, that's <laughs> 
Um, and they had a wonderful scheme in 1937 called the Schools Manuscripts Collection, where every school in the Republic, in the 26 counties of, of, of the Republic of Ireland, uh, were given uh, a job to record folklore every week instead of their English essay. And Amazing. a lot of folklore <laughs> was collected at that time then as well. So um, wow. a lot of traditions had been recorded. It was a fabulous idea. Um, and if we could ever get back to doing that again, that would show us how traditions have changed over, mm -hmm. you know, eight years, which would be brilliant. Uh, yeah. But I'm just looking at the story here. Um, well, you, have about the internet. you have the internet now, Jackie. That's that's very much the same thing. <laughs> you, can, you can just go on Facebook and collect all your stories. <laughs> well, you know what, Ron? That's a very interesting thing to digress a little uh, we're involved in a folklore project for to record the stories about the 1798 rebellion in County Wexford. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the um, 1798 rebellion, Wexford was really the, the major driver for that rebellion. Ooh. And we recorded in one of the schools and they had actually gone on to Wikipedia. Oh, no. Cut and paste what was on Wikipedia. I probably shouldn't mention Wikipedia. I should mention probably an internet encyclopedia that begins with W and ends in A. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we sat there going, and the teacher was about to give out to them and go, God, that was really lazy. And then we thought, but sure, there's probably no difference than the children in 1937 taking out a book off of a shelf and copying it down from there, which is what some of them did. Mm -hmm. So it's no different. Really, that's, so that's uh, true. Have it's, just changed a bit. Yeah, I, it's funny when you talk about just getting back for a minute to the banshee, mm -hmm. because I can remember my my Irish grandmother, Grandma Rowan, uh, talking about you know making reference to the wind was screaming like a banshee or you know one of the kids screaming like a banshee, and like if I said that today. Here, I think people would have absolutely no clue what I was talking about. Yeah. Seriously? No, I, yeah. I don't well, think that's so. Sad. That's sad. Are you, you're familiar with the name then, Ron, are you? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it still gets said around the place, but I, I remember somebody saying a very interesting thing to me in that the arrival of the electricity got rid of lots of the ghosts in Ireland. <laughs> There's probably an element of, of truth to that. I did interview a lady um, who, who genuinely believed that she had seen the banshee outside of her windowsill and explained to me in very clear detail um, about her. But for your listeners who mightn't uh, know what she, she is, like I said, she's an omen of death. She tended to appear the day before, two days before the death of somebody in, with, with a Mac or an O in the name usually. Oh, wow. um, but she tended to look, she very grey, the, the whole apparition to be very grey with long white hair and she's combing her hair and wailing and like you said mm -hmm. just to wail like the banshee that's the phrase that would mm -hmm. still be said was wailing like the banshee so right. just to wail and and uh, like a haunting sound that 
tends to go back and forth. It would have been described as to go back and forth. So she, she'll go away and come back again and go away, uh, to, to, like to move away and move back in again and move away and move back in again. Uh, mm-hmm. But lots of stories in the folk tradition about her combing her hair, people yep. picking up the comb, uh, wow. which caused her terrible distress altogether. Yep. And that she would come looking for the comb would be the phrase. Um, and I was just picking out one of the stories here, the Banshee's Comb. Um, where was this recorded? Let's see, 42. Uh, so Templetown School, Templetown, which is down the south of the county here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people had gone to the local parish priest to ask what should they do with the comb. And his <laughs> advice, and the general advice was to hand it back out through the window with a pair of tongs. Um, that you would call in and she will grab the tongues um, but the tongues will be withered and damaged so that if you'd have done the same with your hand the same would have happened to your hand we actually have uh, reports of banshees here in uh, where I live Uh, there's a a recorded case in Lawrence of a a banshee and uh, in fact my book goes today uh, there is a story I I'm trying to remember what it was from. Maybe during the break, I'll check it out if I can find it. And, uh, yeah, so the Banshee I'm familiar with. And, of course, that's what scared the crap out of my son as well, was, was yeah. the Banshee, Banshee and the uh, Darby McGill and the little people. So, uh, But, yeah, Banshees, I mean, there are so many different, you know, would you, what would you describe? Would you describe a Banshee as like an elemental or or more of of I mean, what what would you really describe, or, or is she your own separate entity? Do you think? Oh, we're losing you, Jackie. Oh, Jackie. Ron, yeah, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. You, we lost you there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> did you, did you I, hear my question? I. Oh. Oh. Hello, Ron. Uh, we're going to call you back, Jackie. We're going to try okay. calling you back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. and that's a that's an actual case in Lawrence where uh, a banshee uh, visited a home that that was recorded and. Uh, really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and we also. You back? I'm here. I'm here. Oh yay! Go. Great. Must have been great. the banshee. Yeah. How the banshee. about a thing? Uh, <laughs> I was, I, I was wondering, was that question to me about elementals and something yes. else? Yes, that was elementals, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You'll have to explain to me now. Oh, see, this is where the folklorist gets to opt out of all these tricky questions and go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's not a big deal. We'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. I, I, we have a couple questions in the chat. I don't, if I can pop these in. Sure, before the break, that would be a good idea. Okay. Uh, Stephen Scott, he's uh, listening to us from Scotland, uh, would like to know, Jackie, um, have you ever tracked the passage of folklore from Ireland to other places, perhaps where names change slightly, but the story remains the same? Oh, absolutely. Well, not me personally, but there will be people who have done um, theses, their doctoral theses, their math on um the movement of folklore that that book that i'm actually 
that a lot of those stories are in uh, are by a lady called Deirdre Nuttall. She's uh, Dr. Deirdre Nuttall. She will have done her PhD on traditions between Wexford and Newfoundland because lots of um, Wexford people would have gone on famine ships over to Newfoundland. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. A lot of folklorists would have done their research. Um, I know we work with a group in Balamoni in Antrim, uh, in Northern Ireland, they've done a lot of work on the Ulster Scots dialect, the language. Uh, yeah. Oh, we're losing her. Uh, we lost her. Oh no! Oh, you're back. <laughs> it's it. Uh, if it's anything, I am moving millimeters. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's, is that better? Yeah, are you on Skype? You're on Skype, right? I'm on Skype, yep. Yep. Hmm. All right. Yep. You know, it's it's those, uh, those Irish ghosts. It's the leprechauns. We have a question okay. about leprechauns, too. Okay, okay. we have a... That I, I promised John I would ask, John, in our chat. All right, right. go ahead. Oh, do we have time? Okay. Uh, John wants to know... Uh, da -da 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 -da, where's this you know question? What? Actually, hold it until after the break. Okay. Well, all right. All right. You could you could ask the question, but Jackie, I'll ask you to answer it after the break because we're okay. very close to the break. All right, so okay. you can ask the question there. Okay, John would like to know first of all, Jackie, do you believe in leprechauns, and what if he captures a real leprechaun? Oh, that's an interesting one. So, <laughs> let's let's think on that over the break. Yeah, let's think of that on the break. And, and come to think of it, you know, uh, St. Patty's Day is coming up, and it, it's time for me to dig out my leprechaun video. Uh, oh, no, really? Oh, yes. yes. Must yes. we do that again? Yes, yes it's St. Patty's Day, and uh, the leprechaun uh, video is, is perhaps the most, my favorite video of all time. So I will dig that up, and I will post that. Uh, Can't wait. State. I yeah, know. I, most people know. People, people, you know, look forward to my yeah, lovely okay. posting. Mm -hmm. you know? Can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. So, anyways, here comes the tune, so we have to okay. take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with uh, that Irish lass herself, Aunt Carrigan. <laughs> ah. And uh, who I'm sure is a redhead. And uh, At heart. Of course, Van Helsing. He might have been redhead if he had hair. If and, he had hair. and our special guest, Jackie We'll be right back out following messages. Hello, hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache. I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. 
Hi, I'm Ron Kolick from the New England Ghost Project. And I'm Gail Lax from Winslow Studio Yoga and Healing. And we'd like to invite you to a very special event that we're running March 18th through the 20th. At the historic Daniel Inn in Brunswick, Maine. This is a weekend retreat, Gail, right? It is. It's going to be fantastic. And it's going to be all about ghost hunting. And connecting with spirit. Ooh, that sounds fun. And we're going to try new things that have never been done before. And we'll be investigating one of the most historic houses in Brunswick. And your weekend will include some great workshops and energy, all of our paranormal investigations, some wonderful food, and a group mediumship reading as well. And a red light seance too, right? Yes. And you never know who will come through in a red light seance. You never know. And uh, if people were interested in getting tickets for this, how could they do that, Gail? Oh, they can go to our website at www.winsoulstudio.com and go to our events page, and you can put your deposit down and reserve your space for this amazing retreat. So don't delay on this rare opportunity to spend a weekend with Gail and me as we go in search Search of of spirit. spirit. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest this evening, Irish folklorist Jackie Hines. And we're back. Evening again. Now, you posed a very tricky question for me before you left. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's break. Uh, do I believe in leprechauns? Me personally, no. Oh. Okay. I live in hope, though. I, I have been known to take <laughs> photographs of rainbows and go, why is this not under my or over my house? So <laughs> maybe I do. But I have a little story wait here. Wait a minute. What was that little person that appeared to you when we started the show? Uh... <laughs> I, I think of a word for him, but it's not leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, go ahead. Trouble, trouble the house. But I, I, I found a story here about a leprechaun that was found in Wexford. Um, so a man by the name of Tom Waters of Rath Jarney um, caught a leprechaun. The leprechaun uh-huh. told him to look behind him to see who was coming. He did so, and when he looked back, the leprechaun was gone. Tom caught him, thinking that he would deliver up his crock of gold, which he had, but he was too clever for him. It's a common belief around here that, they, that he lives under ferns and under bushes at the banks of rivers, in holes in rocks, under the blackthorn bush. So at least now we know where to look, um, so we'll keep an eye out for them. But um, there's another story there again about a, a very similar story. Um, where the leprechaun tells them to look around in the field at a bookland that would be a, the local dialect here for the ragwort plant. Um, so it's it's a it's a weed that grows about um, 
and you know three quarters of a meter high and it's got a yellow flower on it mm-hmm. um, and he tells them to look around at the bouclan and, and that's where the gold is hidden and your man looks around into the field and there's only one bouclan there he lets go of the leprechaun comes out in the morning with the spade for to dig up the the crock of gold only to discover that the field is full of bouclan so <laughs> there, there is a tradition of leprechauns um but I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one in a while. All right. That's, that's too bad. This sounds like things my relatives would do, truly. Really. <laughs> go around digging up holes. Yeah. Uh, go, yeah. Go up in the morning and yeah. go dig up the gold. Yep. Okay. So I, I, and I suppose as well we've, we've touched on maybe the, what some might consider the funnier side of the myths and legends in Ireland. Um, but... I suppose the reality is that years ago, people genuinely did believe those stories. Uh, the legends, like I mentioned about Fionn McCool and Coo Cullen, uh, they were they inspired people. Uh, but the stories about the banshee, the fairies, um, I know we talked about the dead coach before, Ron. People genuinely believed them and were genuinely in fear of them. Um, you would ask me, was there any other stories that would appear a lot in the folk tradition? Uh, I'm seeing one here about a priest who would, it's it appeared in a couple of um, sources that I looked up, um, about a priest saying mass at, at, uh, in the dead of the night, pardon the pun, sorry, uh, in the dead it. of the night, um, and it transpires that before he died, he was paid for to say a mass, which he never said, and he then damned for to say the mass night after night after night until some living person comes and answers the mass for him and it's only then that his soul can rest in peace once a a human a living human um, answers the mass for him so that story appears uh, a lot as well Um, yeah Jackie, I, I, uh, when I first started investigating ghosts and everything, I, I hitched up with a Franciscan uh, friar, uh, Brian the Monk, and he always told me of a story of um, a monastery that uh, was on the seacoast, and what had happened, one of the monks would always stand uh, guard in case anything came, and he fell asleep that night, and there was a, a, a raging flood, and a lot of the, the monks were killed. And uh, he was supposedly haunts that place. And, and through the years, they would see him on the stairs and everything. And finally, somebody asked him uh, why he was still there. And he said, uh, I had to, I have to uh, say the mass. And then in the morning, and he, of course, he never did get to say it because he had drowned in a flood. So uh, they said a mass for him, and he was set free. So that's that's interesting huh. that that story is similar to yeah, what you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I just I just thought after you talked, or the question was, do people do research into traditions in different parts of the world? There's actually a whole. Um, book of motifs, international folk motifs. They're, they were prepared many years ago by um, I think he was a Swedish folklorist called Stitt Thompson and those motifs are all numbered and and they are mapped and tracked across the world. So really? Stories, yeah, absolutely. So stories that I would have seen 1798 mm. is, is my particular area of interest. Um, there might have been 
24-25 international folk motifs that appear in the stories from Wexford about the 1798 rebellion. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that it's interchangeable between a monk and a priest, yeah. um, that they have to come back and, and say the mass uh, until uh, until a human being um, yeah. oh, shares it. A, yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all. That's a great and, example. And, and you mentioned you mentioned the death coach, and I don't think Anne knows what that was about. No, I was uh, going to ask yeah. about that. Oh, d d that's back to Darby O'Gill and the little people again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> my husband is telling me that Sean Connery, for your Scottish listener, it was Sean Connery who played the lead in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So okay. that's the that's the Scottish link there. Um, Before he came 007. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to watch this movie. You should. It's, oh, you do. It, it, I'd say it has probably influenced perceptions of Ireland for the last 50 years. Would that be uh. fair? Oh, no. Uh -oh. Oh, no. Nope, oh, you're she's back. there. You're back. I'm back again. Gosh, I don't know what happened. I was just saying, Ron, that's probably influenced uh, global perception of Ireland for the last 50 years, would you think? Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably that's the most popular thing next to the potato famine. <laughs> and Guinness. Guinness. Oh, Guinness. Yeah, Guinness. The dead coach is um, exactly as it says on the tin. Uh, it's, a, it's a coach that's manned by uh, those that are dead. Um, ah. And again, it's, it's either going to, to collect people who are uh, about to die or bringing people uh, that are, that are, are dead. Um, but I'm looking at a story here about one in Wexford town about the dead coach. Um, um, so it says, one night when everybody had gone to bed, old Mag got out behind the door to wait for the dead coach. It was not long before she heard a rumbling noise coming down the fight. Now, that would be in Wexford town. That would be our local town. Um, mm -hmm. At first, she felt afraid, but her curiosity got the better of her, and she put her eye to the keyhole to watch. She saw that the horses and the driver were headless, and just as they were passing while she was still watching, the driver raised his whip and lashed out at the door. The whip going through the keyhole struck her in the eye and blinded her. Oh. The next morning, the neighbours found her lying screaming in the hall behind the door, and her eye had to be taken out. So she lived a, a good many years after. Uh, but stories, um, dead coaches would sometimes, where our house is now, there's actually a mass path that goes from an old church down to a castle, a Norman castle. Uh, and it's nice. a mass path that people would have walked along. And apparently the dead coach was seen, you know, very often along that route as well. So they would tend to follow mass paths um, or on their way to, to churches or graveyards. So that's the dead coach. Yeah. Oh. Very popular popular in, in the folk tradition then as well, yeah. Ah, that's cool. Um, Ron, you talked about, um, or you just mentioned about uh, where people were, they, did you say they took the head off of somebody and and they had to, to they were left to mind something. I had a story about um, how people, another popular motif in Ireland would be how people were changed into serpents. 
Oh, really? Aha, right. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Serpents, that's that's unusual but because what did, that's what St. Patrick did. He drove the, the serpents out of Ireland. He did. He did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. that was supposed to be what drove the saints out of Ireland and brought Christianity to Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. But I was given a talk. I have a very funny story. I was given a talk to a, a group of academics and I was talking to them on the folklore of the 1798 rebellion um, and they were slightly sceptical about the merits of folklore um, as sometimes people can be and I was explaining (laughs) that there was buried treasure so a lot of the folk tradition in Ireland a bit like the leprechauns will be about buried treasure um, Mm. and and it had given a specific location for where some of the rebels from 1798 had buried their treasure. Mm-hmm. And it was all going very well and we were all getting very excited because it was quite a specific location until it said that they had left a man to guard the treasure and they cut his head off and he turned into a serpent and he had to mind it for the rest of, of time. And uh-huh. they're all looking at me going, that's a bit crazy really, isn't it? And I'm looking at it. <laughs> My reputation totally in tatters now. <laughs> it was it was all going so well until I had to tell them that they actually turned him into a snake. Uh, uh. Damn. <laughs> um, I hope they, we weren't expecting a highbrow conversation for now. <laughs> did they? Did they hiss? Did they hiss? No, they fired rotten vegetables at me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I have another question too, Jackie. I'm sorry. Uh, Stephen wants to know, uh, as a folklorist, do you think that the more traditional and social aspect of telling tales in old folk stories is gone, or does it continue in parts of Ireland? No, actually, I don't think it's gone because. The, the, in the strictest definition of what folklore is, in in Ireland we would call folklore bale idus, so mm-hmm. knowledge from the mouth. So okay. it can be absolutely anything. It doesn't have to be stories. It can be reminiscences. Um, mm-hmm. Even, you know, I talked to you about stories about Cú Cullen and Fionn McCool. There would be stories about political leaders, about great sports people, uh, so folklore is alive and well uh, in Ireland. We just don't consider it in the same way as we used to. So okay. if we if we go, particularly if we go to a funeral and we talk about somebody and we tell great stories and great acts that they did, uh, that's no different than telling the, the, a great story about St. Patrick or Fionn McCool or those stories. So no, I, I genuinely believe folklore is alive and, and well. Possibly not the ghost stories, but the fact that, you know, you broadcast your program every hour uh, or, you know, for an hour a week or more than an hour a week, that people come to Enniscorthy Castle, they go to haunted locations. You know, there's still an interest there. They still talk about their experiences. They still have experiences. So, Mm -hmm. no, absolutely. I think it's alive and well. Absolutely. We just call it something different now. (laughs) <laughs> you know what's you know what's interesting, Jackie, is that you know even people who just think it's a bunch of hogwash is that they still use it by the superstitious things they do, like you know not stepping on a crack or or you know not walking under a ladder. Even you know that's all you know 
there's, there's no scientific proof to it. It's based on folklore, but yet they'll still do it, even though they, they say it's a bunch of hogwash, but they still, in their modern-day lives, won't do that. They, you, know, uh, you know, a lot of buildings don't have 13 floors because it's all folklore that, that brought up the superstitions, and, uh, you know, it's still in play. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, you put over here, we put our finger up at a magpie and say, hello, Mr. Magpie, or there's <laughs> rhymes for, you know, one for sorrow, two for joy, three for girl, four for boy. You're going, oh, God, please don't let me see two magpies. Or, you know, I might put the one and one together to make two. Um, now that's probably just called OCD instead of superstition. <laughs> no. Um, so, no, absolutely, I, I, tradition and the way we used to and the way we do things are, you know, people that say, well, you know, your mother did it that way or your grandmother did it that way or, you know, that's that's tradition being handed down from generation to generation. Like I said, we just call it something differently, uh, something different now. Um I had, I, I now teach, um, I first class, so I have seven-year-olds, they'd be K1, K2 over with yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And we were teaching them how to make butter, still part of folklore. So teaching them how to make butter, we had to look up a video of the old end over end churns because mm -hmm. nobody had a churn anymore to make butter. Um, mm -hmm. They were looking at videos of people plowing with horses. Sure, where did horsepower in a tractor come from? Mm -hmm. We were That's looking right. at trash and sets. People over here still go every September, October to look at trashing, which is the really old form of beating the, the, the barley and beating the, the, the wheat and the barley for to take um, the, the ears of the barley off and take, cut out the chaff. You know, people oh, my okay. age would even understand you know, what a combine harvester looked like 50 right. years ago. Yeah. Um, but people still have a huge interest in folklore. And I know we've been, uh, or, well, we've been a little bit flippant about it tonight, um, mm -hmm. but people still have a huge interest in it. And the older generations are very superstitious and very particular. Um, like we've talked a lot about the dead and the lot, uh, you know, the superstitions and the beliefs around, you know, how we treat the dead, respect for the dead. Um, I know it, I, I, my qualification is folklore and archaeology. A folklore would have protected a lot of the, the archaeological features in Ireland uh, and probably in Europe because of fear of the fairies. <laughs> the fairies. Right. So nobody ploughed through a ring fort because you were afraid of the fairies. We haven't even talked about the fairies at all yet. I know, I was just going to say that. It, those are two things you just mentioned. You mentioned two things, the ring fort and you mentioned the fairies. And uh, those, I, I think if we can, and we, we still have a little bit of time left, I'd like yeah. you to talk a little bit about that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the fairies, a, a lot of superstition around the, the quarter days, Ireland um, and, and Europe as well, would have been divided up into quarter days that reflect the change from the Celtic tradition into the Christian tradition. Um, so around May Day, the Feast of Imbolog, it would have been the Celtic Feast of Imbolog, uh, the 1st of May, uh, superstitions around stealing the milk. So the fairies would come very early on May morning and steal your milk. 
milk and then your cows would be dry for the rest of the year. You'd have no milk for the rest of the year. The superstition <laughs> of putting up the may bush. I don't know, Ronnie, are you familiar with the may bush? Uh, is that like the may pill? Uh, might well be. You would. So all of the eggshells that you would have saved up from Lent. No, uh, no, not familiar with over. it. Nope. <laughs> no, it's not us. <laughs> you put onto a bush and that was to ward off evil for the for the month may as well if you whitewash in may you'll rue the day uh, so lots of superstitions <laughs> around the, the, the calendar month uh, but the fairies stealing the milk on may morning to be particularly careful on may morning um but uh, w- one major thing was to explain i suppose in people's medical ignorance many years ago they would they might have explained disability amongst children as the child being taken by the fairies and the mm-hmm. child being you know asleep. i was just going to ask you that it, because yeah that's one of the things is children being taken by fairies y- yes and a changeling left in their place so oh, exactly. i i've heard of that yeah 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 so uh, uh, um i was just reading a story again here about uh, the changelings where uh, the child was very wizeny uh, and a real elderly face to them, or very wise be- beyond their years. Um, so the story about the changeling. Uh, but a way to ward off the fairies, if you had a small baby, was to put a piece of red material onto their clothes, because the fairies, apparently, according to the folk tradition, had no blood. So the red um, ah. scared them off. Um, so yeah. you pinned a piece of red material to the child's clothes just to ward off the fairies and, and prevent them from stealing the child. You know, what's oh, interesting, yeah. Jackie, is, is that yeah. my uh, mother is a Polish, of course, but she always told me that I was a changeling. Oh, no. Yeah, she said that <laughs> they, they, the ter- fairies took her a good child and left me. Oh, oh. no. Based on what evidence? <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. <laughs> wow. From birth. Yeah. From birth we knew this, folks. No. From birth, yeah. So uh, the fairies would have played a huge part. Like I mentioned to you, Ringforth, the fairies, uh, that that was their home. And often there are fabulous stories in the folk tradition. But again, while, while you know, we, we consider ourselves more enlightened in some ways, um, Anybody I have interviewed always was given the respect that they genuinely believed what they were telling me. And I had no right or no place to suggest to them that, sure, that's a, I don't believe that. That's a dose of um, poppycock or sure, that couldn't be uh-huh. the case. Um, but stories of wonderful music coming from Ringforth at nighttime. And, and, you know, enticing and luring the locals in for to listen to the music. And then, of course, the locals wouldn't be able to get out of the field um, at nighttime and stories of people going around and around fields all night until the daylight came in mm-hmm. and then being able to get out of the field. And, of course, all of these things happened uh, during the nighttime. Um, right. But curses that would be put on people that would come in and interfere with the ring for it. And like I said to you, that's why uh, the vast majority of archaeology in Ireland survives intact because of the fear and the superstition about interfering with them. Um, wow. So 
So the folklore has had a really significant benefit uh, on the on archaeology in Ireland. That's not to say that all of our monuments being listed monuments hasn't helped as well. The, the legislation and the law protects them as well. But before that came into place, the folk tradition and, and the belief that people had that this was the home of the fairies certainly helped as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know we're running out of time, but we have a question yeah. yet, right? We, yeah, we, uh, Stephen has one more question. Uh, what is the Irish folklore in those who are blessed by the Fae? F-A-Y-E? Yes. Uh, he yes. says F-E-Y. Well, but, he's Scottish. What do you want? All right. So uh, <laughs> maybe F-A-Y-E. <laughs> is that the fairy folk? Uh, oh, yeah, F-A-I-R-I-E would be fairy over here. Uh, okay. Uh, F-A-I-R-Y-F-A-R-I-E, F-A-I-R-I-E. Uh, so, so it probably is blessed by the, the fairy folk, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, no, what, I, oh, go ahead. So, well, he wondered what, what is the Irish folklore and those who are blessed by by them. Um, off at the top of my head, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's the honest now, answer. So, so my question is, so, like, I always think of fairies as good and, like, Tinkerbell, huh? you know, and what? so they're bad. Did you ever watch Leprechaun in the movie? No. Oh. No. Back to the Leprechauns again? <laughs> but, uh, you know, so they're, they're actually almost like fairies are like evil spirits. Not at all. They, no. I, I would say they coexist. Okay. Like, yeah, elemental. Uh, not, certainly not evil. It's just if you come into their space, they're not too keen about it oh. or too happy with it, the same as we probably wouldn't be too happy if they came into ours. So it's, I think it was just a healthy respect for them. Oh, um, okay. All right. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't say evil. No, I wouldn't yeah. say evil. Yeah, oh, all right. Been, there's been movies and stuff where people have taken down trees and stuff and destroyed the 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 land of the fairies, and then, then there has been all out war between them and stuff. So yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Did you see uh, what's that movie that was? Never mind. All right. So we've run out of time because that was the, the bell. Um, so uh, one thing. I, did you did you have do you have water sprites over there? Uh, no, but we have pukas. Which Ooh. are which uh, pukas or Will, Willie the Wisps, Willow the Wisps, Jack yes, the Lantern. Yes, 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 yes. We do. Yeah, yeah. Not oh, so much uh, water sprites, but uh, but those guys. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. There's so much we could talk about. Unfortunately, we ran out of time. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, and it, it, thank you so much for staying because it's almost one in the morning there now in the. Uh, <laughs> Emerald Isle, if, I, so. if I find out the answer for Stephen, I'll message you and you can put it back up on your boards if that's okay. Oh, that's I will do that. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I, I was sorry to hear that you no longer, well, I'm not sorry because you made a choice that you are now teaching instead of uh, taking care of the castle. So um, I always thought oh, that was. Oh, it, it's, it's good because I, I still get to do lots of stuff up there. Um, oh, that's and I good. always wanted to be a teacher, so it just took me 20 years to get here. But better ah, than ever. <laughs> 20 years? What did you want it when you were two? That's it, yeah. Yeah, I'm a very young teacher. <laughs> and, and I want to thank uh, Michael Benton for helping me out and, and, and connecting uh, me with you, Jackie, as well. So I'm going to give a shout-out to I'm Michael. 
delighted to help out. I hope we've had fun for the hour and, and not been so flippant. Yeah, uh, you're fine. <laughs> we did. It was so, it was wonderful. Thank you. There's the music. We got to go. So uh, thank you so much once again, Jackie, and uh, you know, happy Saint Patrick's Day. Thanks, Anne, and happy Saint Patrick's Day. La Fela Fadrig, the impression. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Good, night. God bless. Good night. Thank you, Jackie. All the best. See ya. Bye-bye. Night, everybody. Night, John. Night, Rod. Night, Jackie. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us Good Lord. Have you heard?